This is New Classical Tracks from listener-supported American Public Media. If you're enjoying this podcast, the best thing that you can do for this show is to tell somebody else about it. Help spread the word, and take a moment to rate and review us on your podcasting app. When I asked Brazilian guitarist Plinio Fernandez how he found his sense of belonging when it came to the guitar, he told me that really his entire identity is wrapped up into playing the guitar because he's been playing it since he was about six or seven years old. He said, you know what, it's kind of like brushing my teeth or drinking water or even breathing. I have to play a few notes every morning. That's really what grounds me. We'll hear what he means on his new recording, where he blends the sounds of Bach with the rich culture of Brazil. The recording is called Bachiando, and that's what we're hearing about this week on New Classical Tracks. I'm Julia Macher. I'm talking with Plinio Fernandez, who has just recently released his second solo recording. And Plinio, one of the things you've done to celebrate that is you just did a sold-out tour of the UK and Ireland with your good friend, cellist Sheku Kane Mason. How did that tour go? That's correct. Uh, the tour went very, very well. Thank you. We're super glad. It was the first tour that we played together. Um, we've been performing with each other for quite a few years now and rehearsing. We lived together for many years, so it was a very natural thing to do and really fun. As you said, the concerts were sold out and we did some world premieres of, of wonderful music for cello and guitar. So it was real, yeah, it was a treat. And he did appear on your first recording, correct? Yeah, that's correct. That's correct. And he, yeah, we recorded together the Villa Lobos aria from Bacchina number five. Well, I wanted to start off by just kind of getting to know you a little bit, because I know you were born into a family of musicians in Brazil. Tell me a little bit more about that and how the guitar became such a passion for you. Sure. Music has always been present in my life very strongly. Uh, to be honest, I mean, my family is not, none of them are actually professional musicians, but my father's an amateur guitarist and it was very wonderful to grow up seeing the instrument around in the sofa. I would come and pluck a few strings and try to play it since I was very, very young. But then as soon as I turned about seven years old, the instrument was still very, very big, but then I could play a couple of notes and then just started there. But at home, we we would have music playing the whole time. My mom was a massive fan of Brazilian traditional music, uh, of all the different genres, some uh, bossa nova, samba, choro, uh, and so on. And so was my father. But my father had a, uh, a bigger passion for classical guitar, specifically speaking. And that's how, that's how it started, really. Well, then you were encouraged to go to London to study at the Royal Academy of Music. What was that like for you? Was there a cultural shift involved, or did that all just flow smoothly for you? Can you tell me a little bit about that experience? Uh, It did flow smoothly, funny enough, but there was uh, also very... uh, not shocking, but there was the cultural clash of coming from a, a small town in the coast of Sao Paulo, 
so by the by the sea and suddenly I'm in London one of the most vibrant culturally vibrant cities in the world uh, and one of the best schools in the world with you know people who I always admire uh, who are my idols really who are teaching in this institution or who had studied there in the past and all my peers my colleagues were were the ones that I was following their careers because they were the competition winners <laughs> and so on suddenly I was part of that so that was quite quite wonderful you mentioned that you encountered some of your idols there. Who are some of those people, and why did you and why do you admire them so much? Um, well, my guitar heroes. I can start from them. I think it's it's easier. So my Brazilian idol and, and teacher and mentor, <laughs> who's Fabio Zanon, uh, taught me in Brazil. Was also teaching at the academy. So he was the the bridge, really, who con- the person who convinced me to come and audition in London and and so on. So I kept that relationship very strongly because he was here every every other month, really, teaching at the academy, even though he's based in Brazil. Uh, David Russell, who's one of my favorite guitarists, is teaching there at the moment. Michael Lewin, who who's, was the head of guitar of the institution, who taught Fabio and taught a huge generation of musicians like, uh, like Milos, the guitarist or Shui Fei Young and people who are having wonderful careers and stuff. And Maxim Vingarov, the violinist, who he was teaching at the academy then. And my first week there, I saw him in a corridor and I was... It was, yeah, just exploded. <laughs> it was happiness and got to, to watch him teach and perform. Just to mention a few. So yeah, it was really a dream that came true, really. Well, you've just released your second recording. That's right. Bacchiando. And what I was curious about, is that title a made-up word? Or tell me what that means. Yes, it's certainly a made-up word, which came from the inspiration of Villa Lobos Bacchianas, which are homages to Bach, a series of pieces that he wrote, inspired and as a homage to, to to the great German master. That's, so, Bacchianas, Bacchianinhas, which is like a, a diminished version of that. And there are two tracks called Bacchianinhas, number one and two, uh, in the album, which were inspired by Villa Lobos <laughs> to take an account on, on Bach's music with the Brazilian touch. Then, um, Bacchiando is something that, that I came up with, which... Uh, means Bacchiang is the, the verb to Bach in Portuguese, if it makes any sense. How do the music of Bach and the rich culture of Brazil come together on this recording? I think it comes together very naturally because they coexist very well side by side. Uh, Villa Lobos, our great comp- greatest composer of all time, who really reshaped the Brazilian culture, was massively influenced by Bach, and therefore all the composers, his contemporaries, were massively influenced by that connection between Villa Lobos and Baroque music. And I, th- I made sure that also, as well as taking the pieces that already existed, uh, inspired by Bach, I convinced Sergio Assad, who's one of the arrangers and composer in the album, to write a piece inspired by that to pair with the prelude Fugue in Allegro by Bach 
So he wrote a prelude, Fugue and Vivace, inspired by that, but not necessarily in a Baroque style, just with some of the motifs and of the atmosphere of what that music is. And I recorded one of the Bacchianas, the, the first movement of it. And yeah, it's a miscellaneous of, of those Bach Brazilian influenced pieces. And I think they, they coexist very well side by side. So I'm very, very happy with the way that the full work of the album came, came about. One of your favorite pieces by Bach is at the heart of this recording, and that is the Prelude Fugue and Allegro in E-flat major. Why is this one of your favorite pieces? I think, very simply, it's one of the most beautiful pieces of music I've ever heard. <laughs> and I grew up listening to it. The three movements, they, they represent to me what perfection in music is. Particularly the fugue, if I have to say, which is really, that's one of the most beautiful materials there. And I grew up listening to, to David Russell playing a lot in his recordings of that piece, and Fabio Zanon as well. Uh, so being able to record that and launch that commercially was quite a challenge because I was sort of venerating it too much and over-respecting it. It's almost as if something really divine. That's how I feel that Bach's music is sometimes. Uh, but I felt that this was the time to, to approach that and, and do it. I'm certainly already thinking about doing things differently about my interpretation of those pieces and in a few years will be the same feeling and we'll keep on you know changing it but uh, I'm glad that I've done it now is this your arrangement of those pieces well it's a mixture of of uh, between different arrangements and my own so I took uh, my favorite versions of it and then changed the things that I felt that would work best musically because it wasn't written for your instrument originally, correct? That's correct. It was written for the lute, and which is a cousin of, of the guitar, really. Uh, but the instruments work differently. So there, there were some adaptations to be made, and and scordatura, which is when you change the the natural tuning of, of one of the of the strings, and so on. So yeah, the, there were some adaptations needed to for it to be suited to to the guitar, but it, it really feels really naturally, uh, the transition between the lute and guitar. How did the piece that Sergio Assad created for you come about? Because this is the world premiere recording of that work. Is that something that you commissioned, or how did that come to be? Yes. Uh, I came to him and we were discussing the repertoire for the album and said, uh, Sergio, I would love to have you writing something specifically for that. And then he was very 
Kenon doing something, and then he first wrote a prelude and fugue. But it's the first fugue that he has ever written, which is quite something, it's quite a privilege to have that in the album. And then I said, well, if you have a prelude and fugue, why not having a fast movement as well? Or in terms of three pieces to pair with Prelude Fugin Allegro. And I suggested him to call Prelude Fugin Allegro, but he just changed it to Vivace. Uh, and then it came about with a conversation, really, of me asking him to write that. And then it just kept on growing until it became this little suite of three movements. Sergio Assad also created an arrangement, it's a mashup of pieces by two Brazilian artists. One is a singer-guitarist, the other is just a popular singer. Can you talk a little bit about that mashup and what makes this piece so fun for you? Yes, you mean uh, Bacchiania number two, right? I think it was a super clever and tasteful choice because he saw the similarity in tonality, in phrasing and in structure of the two pieces. It was Bacchiania number two by Paulinho Nogueira, who's a phenomenal Brazilian guitarist. And... Araponga, which is a choro, a native Brazilian choro, written by Luis Gonzaga. So he had the perfect idea of gimmicking and creating those two together, and it felt very naturally, musically, fuses the same piece, but no, it's a compilation, really. He piled up the two of them, and they, are, they work so well intertwined <laughs> that feels is a, is a, an original composition as opposed to a, a, a really thought-out arrangement. It made me wonder, when you were talking about hearing music in your house growing up, if these were songs that maybe were familiar to you growing up in Brazil. Certainly. Araponga I got to know through Sergio, really. He's not one of the most famous shows or, or, or works by Luis Gonzaga, to be honest, but um, Bacchiania number one and two, they're two of the most often performed pieces in the Brazilian repertoire. So everyone who's a teenager and learning the instrument and getting to a, a more complex technical period of playing the guitar, then they learn that piece that's really beautiful. It's not that difficult, but it sings super well and makes the, the guitar sound like a, a wonderful polyphonic instrument. And I'm happy to, to have recorded that. There wasn't a really a commercial recording of it out there and yeah I'm happy that I that it that is there now.
You also offer your take on Bach's arrangement of the Adagio from the Concerto in D minor originally for oboe by the Italian Baroque composer Benedetto Marcello. Why did you want to create this arrangement for your recording? Also Sergio's idea, but we were discussing, like we had a couple of calls when we were discussing what pieces should should make the album and to create the core of idea of it. And there's a recording of it that I grew up listening by Brazilian wonderful guitarist Paulo Martelli, but he plays an 11-string guitar. With, with loads of extra basses, so it sounds really full and rich. And I loved that ever since, ever since the first time I heard that when I was about 12, 13 years old. And then it was sort of the synchronicity of, of our thought about recording that was quite fantastic because I came to the discussion, suggest, you know, with the idea to suggest him to do that. And then the first thing that he suggested. Uh, among the Bach original pieces that I recorded, which were just uh, the suite and that, was that. And then it was, it was a great surprise, but felt supernatural. And I think it's one of the most beautiful melodies ever written. It's an arrangement of an arrangement, really, because uh, that's an arrangement that Bach made of Marcello's oboe concerto, and then Sergio just on the arrangement idea of enhancing and not necessarily enhancing, but transporting that to the to solo guitar. Thought that this would be a very, a very wonderful move. Could you introduce us to the guitar you play? I mean, you can just tell me about this instrument and what makes it such a good fit for you. I am sure the guitar geeks who are listening would love to know about your instrument. Of course, with pleasure. I play on a Jeffrey Elliott, the American maker from Oregon, uh, which I acquired about a year and a half ago from, from a Brazilian personal collection. And... It was quite a, a wonderful thing. So a, a benefactor, a great sponsor, heard me play live and said, look, when you find the ideal instrument, let me know. I would like to buy it and lend it to you. And I was super happy with that. When the time came, I started searching for the instruments that spoke the most to, to my, you know, my taste in terms of a variety of colors and timbres and so on, which is what I value the most in guitar playing, uh, to approach the instrument as, as an orchestra to really extract the, the you know, the best uh, range of, of different colors to, to suit the music. Uh, so I tried a, many, many different instruments for a couple of months. And then I, in Brazil, I, I went to, to my, you know, one of my heroes, uh, collection and dear friend Marcelo Cayat. He has a wonderful collection of instruments, and he was very kind to let me try it and be curious enough to then 
make a uh, make an offer and check if he if he would be happy selling that. And then we played many different instruments. Uh, so Marcelo Cayat and Fabio Zano, who are you know two giants, were there listening to it, and I was trying different instruments. When I played that instrument, it was an immediate sensation from both sides that that was the right fit. And I played many other phenomenal instruments, you know, the Hausers and Fletas and all the great makers. But that one, I played a couple of notes, I felt it straight away, and also they they were able to confirm that something special happened when I played that. So the, the best guitar is not the, the, the best maker, the most expensive, the most this or that, but the one that fits you, uh, you're playing the best. And then so I was... So I'm very, very glad to, to have that. Very honored to have such an instrument. I know that when you play guitar, you're really looking to create that range of colors. Can you talk more about what that means when you're describing colors in playing the guitar? What can we as, as uh, fans and listeners be tuning in to hear? How do we identify some of those colors you're trying to create? I think it's quite natural to feel them. It's, it's an immediate response in, in a, from a listening perspective. Um, I think there are two, essentially two different ways of approaching the guitar. One that's very romantic and old-fashioned, so to speak, and which is which I, I think I belong to, which is that idea that guitar is an you, can, you should approach that as an orchestra, and that's what you know Segovia. And the Julian Bring and all of the my my great my heroes Fabio Zano, my teacher Marcelo Cayat, all of those people, we have this idea of having the instrument. The guitar doesn't really necessarily have to have a huge projection, the instrument itself, and so on. It's something that we struggled with, right? With as, as guitarists, because the sound is not that you know loud and powerful as a cello or violin. Uh, but there are many instruments nowadays that. Uh, they are very powerful and stable and easier to play in a certain way, but it doesn't have the same range of colors. So it's tricky to find a modern instrument that has the projection and the beautiful colors. But basically what I try to, f- to find is, is to, to evoke the, you know, the best of, of the instrument through emotions. So to try to... All the ranges, to trying very ponticello, very spiky, of aggressive sound, but also the most uh, luscious, mellow sound. And so basically trying to use everything that the, the instrument has to offer. And I think it's a very specific thing to the guitar, uh, because other instruments you don't really have. The piano, of course, you, one can... And talk about the, the colors and stuff that you create with, with the piano, but the guitar, really, you play, is the only instrument that you play both, uh, not the only instrument, but essentially it's the one that you play, use both of your fingertips to produce the sound. So it's a very personal thing, depending on the size of your fingers or the, the length of the nails. Each person will have a, a, a very particular and unique sound. And yeah, so I think the most fun and the fundamental thing for me as a guitarist is to find and explore those colors. When it comes to playing the guitar, Plenio, how have you been able to find your sense of belonging with the instrument? 
um, I think <laughs> a very natural connection with the instrument, to be honest. I think that sense of belonging that I have in life is with the guitar and with the closest people to me and to Brazilian nature and so on and so forth. But for me, playing the guitar gives me the sense of identity because it's something that I have been doing since I was very, very young. So I don't really remember my life that well before I was six to seven years old, which is when I started playing. So I have that, like brushing my teeth, drinking water, showering, breathing. Playing for me has that function of settling me. And so if I wake up, have, have breakfast and don't practice for a couple of hours, I start getting a bit bit anxious I just have to you know play a couple of notes and feel that that, that, that grounds me so that's the sense of belonging that I have uh, a couple of days with without playing the instrument makes me a bit like oh, it's not it's a funny feeling is a but yeah as soon as I play a couple of notes in the morning I feel that I that I'm settled <laughs> what is the music you play to kind of ground yourself in the morning Ooh. I don't have a ritual, but I play... Well, I guess it's, it is some sort of ritual, that, right? I play the pieces that I'm, that I'm learning at the moment or pieces that I'm performing at the moment. I tend to start with slow things. Okay, that's, that's, that was a good question. The first a piece that I play pretty much every morning since I pretty much started playing the guitar is the Prelude Number no. 4 by Villa Lobos. It's a very simple beginning. It's not a difficult piece, but it's a piece that, you know, I played in my first competitions when I was eight years old and was the first piece that was a little bit more complex with, the, with a fast, arpeggiated middle section and something that settles me. And was a piece Villalobos wrote as a homage to, to the indigenous life in Brazil. And my teacher describes that, Fabio Zanon describes that as like the chords that you play at the beginning as like the heartbeat of the forest. So this is how I feel about that and being away from Brazil for such a long time, that connection with that piece brings me the, the identity of and the grounding of, of being a Brazilian artist, essentially. A new recording called Bachiando, where guitarist Plinio Fernandez blends the sounds of Bach with his homeland of Brazil. That's new classical tracks from American Public Media. Thanks to Valerie Kaler. She's our producer for this podcast. And I'm your host, Julia Macher. <laughs>